You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yet again, the upcoming NBA offseason might prove to be even more entertaining than the end of the NBA postseason. The Pelicans are moving forward on Anthony Davis trade negotiations. Team USA has finalized its training camp roster for this August as they gear up for World Cup basketball. The NBA draft is only 10 days away, and there are potentially Rockets angles to all of those stories. To discuss what those are, welcome in to a new episode and a new week here at Locked on Rockets, your podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. Today's show is again brought to you courtesy of our friends at Twillery, where if you go to twillery.com slash locked on, you can use the promo code locked on for $25 off on their complete line of apparel. We're also sponsored by Gallery Furniture, where the red hot summer sale is now underway. Visit any Houston area gallery furniture location or go to galleryfurniture.com to take advantage of all the specials. In today's show on Monday, June 10th, we have some breaking news to attend to. And believe it or not, I'm not talking about tonight's NBA Finals. As I'm recording this, the Raptors are still up three games to one on the Warriors heading into tonight's Game 5. And with any luck, the hope in Houston is that the Raptors can close it out and give us a new NBA champion for the first time in three years. As I've explained in past episodes, which you can find in our Locked on Rockets archives, I think there's a pretty strong correlation between this series result and the futures of two of the biggest free agents on the market this summer, those being Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. And I definitely think that Toronto winning is the better result when it comes to the trickle-down effects on the Rockets. Anyway, we'll talk more about that once the series actually ends and we see how all this goes down, especially with Kevin Durant apparently poised to return tonight to the Warriors lineup. For today's show, I want to discuss two stories from Monday that we know have potential to affect the Rockets. First, there's the announcement from USA Basketball that James Harden, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker will all three be among the 20 active NBA players to receive invitations to Team USA's training camp in August out in Las Vegas for the upcoming World Cup of Basketball. Houston is the only NBA team with more than two players, which is really cool for the franchise, and I think it goes without saying that James Harden, the reigning MVP of the league, is a lot for the roster, assuming he wants to play and is healthy. Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, it may come down to how they fare in training camp and or what the exact final composition of the roster is and what Greg Popovich wants from his role players. All in all, though, I think it's a fun development for the Rockets with some potential franchise recruiting implications, and we'll talk about what those are a little bit later in the show. Here off the top, though, I want to discuss the recruiting battle that's actually going on right now across the NBA, and that's the pursuit of star big man Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans, because there's at least a potential Rockets angle to that storyline, too. Now, we've known he's available for a few months now as a refresher. Anthony has a player option that he can exercise after this coming season to become a free agent in July 2020. It's similar to the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard a year ago. Rather than risk losing the player for nothing, they would like to extract as close to maximum value as they can get. And once the team knows that the player wants out, then waiting until the trade deadline or trying to finagle a sign and trade in the final days 
you're typically not going to get peak return. So if you want to move someone like Anthony Davis, just as the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard a year ago, the time to do it is at least a year in advance. And that's where we are with Anthony Davis having the possibility with a player option of becoming an unrestricted free agent in July of 2020. So because of that, Davis and his agent, Rich Paul, they let the Pelicans know that back in January, heading up to the trade deadline, hoping to force a trade to the Lakers. That did not happen because the Pelicans apparently were not enamored with what the Lakers were offering and or perhaps the style that Davis and his agent trying to bully their way to Los Angeles. It seemed that they wanted him to go almost anywhere else rather than capitulate to Magic Johnson, Rich Paul, and perhaps some tampering behind the scenes, all those types of factors. So based on those factors, the Pelicans were content to wait until the offseason. There's also the matter of the Boston Celtics potentially being able to jump into the fray They would have liked to, the Celtics, that is, been a player for Davis during the season, but they weren't allowed to have Anthony Davis' five-year deal on top of their own five-year deal with Kyrie Irving. That's a quirk from the collective bargaining agreement. At the moment, though, it's unclear whether the Celtics would actually do that because Kyrie Irving, we thought a few months ago that he was a near lock to stay in Boston. Now, based on various sourced reports, that seems less certain than everyone thought. And so for the Celtics, does it make sense to go all in with a package headlined by Jason Tatum and a lot of their young prospects and or draft picks for a player in Anthony Davis that could be a rental if you can't potentially win a title in that one year that he's there? It would have made sense to roll the dice and believe that you could retain him a year from now if you had the type of team that could win a title in that one season. Without Kyrie Irving, if that's the case, It remains to be seen whether Boston would still go to those lengths, although Danny Ainge, he very well might. He is a very prideful GM who I think definitely wants to win at all costs, so I don't think the Celtics are going to go quietly into the night on this. Anyway, that's why the Pelicans punt into the offseason. They believe that Boston and other teams might get involved. And then the past few weeks, a couple of new things have happened in New Orleans. First, they hired David Griffin, the ex-Cavs GM, who put together the roster that won the 2016 NBA title. The Pelicans hired Griffin as their head of basketball operations. And then a couple of weeks after that, they won the NBA draft lottery, giving them the number one overall pick, which they will use to draft Duke forward Zion Williamson, which is perhaps the best prospect since LeBron James. So based on the fact that it's been a few months, they acquired a new GM with a lot of pedigree and the number one overall pick. The Pelicans wanted to make one more run at retaining Anthony Davis, at selling him on staying in New Orleans long term. Because as I discussed last week, when some people posed the question of, would the Rockets ever consider dealing James Harden? The obvious reason is that NBA superstars never get their worth in trades. That's why the legitimate top five, top 10 guys, which Anthony Davis averaging 28 points, 12 rebounds a game definitely is. They typically only get moved like Kawhi last summer when the player has a proverbial gun to the team's head in the form of him potentially leaving in a year or less for zero compensation. Otherwise, the NBA is not a league where four quarters equals a dollar. You want the top-heavy, transcendent talent, which Anthony Davis is. So the Pelicans wanted to make one more run at convincing him to stay. At this point, we've heard through leaks from Sham Sharania, who's clearly getting fed intel from Rich Paul and the crew at Clutch Sports, which now represents Anthony Davis. They're still not interested. So the Pelicans, having given it one more try to sell AD on their new future with David Griffin and Zion Williamson, now they're realizing that they want to move forward and potentially trade him sooner rather than later. That was the story that we learned early Monday morning at ESPN.com, reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, in which Woj goes through 
really a number of interesting nuggets in terms of the teams that have inquired so far, certainly the big market teams, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Knicks, and the Nets. We know those are the types of markets that AD is interested in. But he also points out that a lot of other teams could be emboldened to make a run considering the success of Toronto with Kawhi Leonard. Because a year ago, keep in mind, no one thought that Kawhi Leonard would be happy in Toronto. And at this point, the Raptors are the odds-on favorite to retain Kawhi in free agency. That's how quickly preferences can change. And even if they don't, well, they're one win away from winning an NBA title. So no matter what, it's worth it if you win the title. So in Woj's story about the Pelicans moving to the next phase of negotiations, he cites that fact, which is relevant to the Rockets, even though we have not heard word of Houston being a preferred destination for Anthony Davis. I certainly don't think that Daryl Morey is going to be afraid. That's not in his style at all. In fact, you want to go back to Daryl Morey's history in Houston. Think back to 2012 when he pursued Dwight Howard relentlessly from Orlando, despite Howard's camp leaking repeatedly that they were not interested in Houston. And the funny thing about it, of course, the Rockets did not land Dwight. The Lakers did, which is one of two teams along with Brooklyn on his list. And then less than a year later, he made the choice to leave the Lakers for the Rockets in free agency. Of course, it helps with the Rockets. They signed or traded for James Harden. They had a really strong season getting to the playoffs, and that changed the narrative. That's how quickly these narratives can change. So these lists, they're really not as ominous as a lot of players and agents would like them to be. Because we have seen situations, and Kawhi Leonard seems to be on the verge of becoming another one, where the players don't follow through on their threats. Things can change. The same goes for Oklahoma City calling the bluff on Paul George when everyone in 2018 believed that PG, once he became a free agent, was bound for the Lakers in Los Angeles because that was his home. We have seen this happen time and time again. So there's a reason why other teams will poke around on Anthony Davis, and now the Pelicans, since they gave it the old college try of one more attempt at convincing AD to stay with them long-term, they seem to be ready to move to the next phase. And the reason for that, Woj spells it out, but it makes a lot of sense. The NBA draft is next Thursday. It's early this year on June 20th. That's a big date for the Pelicans because packages that involve draft picks this year, like hypothetically the Lakers who could offer the number four pick, the Knicks who could offer the number three pick, it's more valuable to the Pelicans if they get to use that selection Because if they wait, the Pelicans, to execute a trade until after the Knicks and Lakers, who do not have great track records in scouting, by the way, if they wait until after those picks are made, it's like buying a new car that's been driven off the lot. If you're the Pelicans, a lot of the value comes from getting a high pick that you can then use yourself as you best see fit for your roster and based on who your scouts see as the best players. And undoubtedly, I think David Griffin has a lot more confidence in what he's doing than the Knicks or the Lakers. So if they're going to deal with teams that are in the draft, or even if they just want those offers for comparative purposes, it makes sense to do it before the draft because that's when picks in this year's draft have peak value. So based on all of those factors, it sounds as if the Pelicans are moving to the next phase in these negotiations. However, the hitch is that there's been an indication that he doesn't believe that one team can get all of the assets that the Pelicans want. According to the Woj story, Griffin is pursuing a combination of assets, including an all-star player, a young player with all-star potential, and two first-round picks. And later on in the story, it says that in whatever deal the Pelicans make, Griffin wants the assets to continue building a Western Conference playoff team around guard Drew Holiday and the projected number one overall pick, forward Zion Williamson. 
Based on those factors and the anecdote from earlier in the story that according to front offices that have engaged in conversations with Griffin, he hasn't sounded convinced that one team is likely to fulfill his wishes for a Davis deal, that makes this entire Anthony Davis trade process much more open-ended than we thought. Because the clear teams that AD wants to go to, the Knicks and the Lakers, they would offer largely prospect-based packages. The Knicks, the number three. The Lakers, the number four, and some combination of Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Those guys have high ceilings, but they also have low floors. And where it's interesting, the combination of the passage about Griffin being unconvinced he can get all of his assets from a two-team trade, well, we know what the Knicks and Lakers can deal, so it seems that he's unconvinced that that's what he wants. And then later in the article, when it explains that they want to be a playoff team around Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson, you can see why. And I understand what he's thinking. I'm sure some will read that and say, why do the Pelicans care about being mediocre? Shouldn't they bottom out? Actually, there's a lot of examples where bottoming out does you more harm than good. Look at squads like the Suns and the Kings that were good in the 2000s, but are now in just this perpetual cycle. I know the Kings got a little better this year, but the point is, once you are bad, even if you have high picks, it's hard to get out of that cycle. What I think the Pelicans want to do, now that they have the number one overall pick, is stay relevant. They believe that if Zion pans out as they think he can, then it's easier to sell potential free agents on the Pelicans, a small market where, like Phoenix and Sacramento, it's tough to see them as a draw, especially if they're bad. Well, if you stay relevant and in good years in the playoffs, then it might be easier to rebuild around Zion and Drew Holiday while staying competitive than it is to bottom out because between the small market and all the other factors working against a squad like the Pelicans that then gets in that perpetual tanking cycle, it can be tough to get out of that hole. And I think with Zion, along with Drew Holiday, the Pelicans see a path to which they don't have to drop that low. And if they do a trade for young guys, like the number three or that Lakers package involving number four and some of their prospects, those guys all have high ceilings, but they are so unproven that certainly there's a scenario where it doesn't pan out and then they go the tanking route. What it sounds like the Pelicans want is more stability. And that's where the Rockets could have a role. Now, in a perfect world, yes, Anthony Davis would be a target of the Rockets themselves. I think that's what Daryl Morey will try first and foremost, because the opportunity to pair AD with James Harden, the only duo in the NBA currently that would be anywhere close to that magnitude is Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. And the consensus seems to be that Durant will leave after the season anyway. Even if AD's camp lets it be known that he's not interested in Houston long-term, I absolutely believe that Daryl Morey would move any asset in the organization, whatever it takes to pair James Harden with Anthony Davis. The opportunity for two players of that caliber, Anthony, a 28 and 12 big man, he's an elite shot blocker, he's got range out to the three-point arc, all at just 26 years old. Daryl Morey would absolutely gamble that he could convince AD to stay in Houston long-term. And even if he didn't, there's still a legitimate opportunity, if that happens, to win a ring next year. Because the Rockets, by virtue of doing a trade, they'd still have their mid-level exception. Undoubtedly, Harden, AD, they'd be a destination for veteran ring chasers who might take the minimum, those types of things. Yes, you could absolutely fill out a roster. And if you squint hard enough, yeah, you could argue that Chris Paul, when he's right, is an all-star caliber player. Now, I know the Pelicans probably won't see it that way because of his age, injury history, and contract, but you can at least try. Clint Capella, 
certainly as a young player, 17 points, 13 rebounds, 65% shooting. He can give the Pelicans a lot of the rim protection, the rebounding that they would lose by Davis going elsewhere. And that's why I think no matter what, Capella is someone with cost certainty, four years of relatively inexpensive labor, a proven presence in the paint that I think could appeal to the Pelicans just 25 years old, no matter what. It may be in more three-team scenarios than direct, but certainly the Rockets will try at first. Chris Paul, Clint Capella, really any combination of assets. And if you squint hard enough on Capella, yeah, you can make an argument that with his stat line, he could be an all-star type player. He's just 25 years old. He's young. He's improving. And if the Rockets are willing to offer four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler, who's now in his 30s, that was the offer last fall, then you better believe that the Rockets, who have all their first-round picks after the 2019 draft, they'd offer four first-round picks for Anthony Davis as well. I have no hesitation in saying that Gerald Morey would do that deal in a heartbeat. I doubt it's enough for the Pelicans because I think they'll want some more high-end talent somewhere in the offer. But I think the Rockets will absolutely try. And who knows, if Rich Paul scares off enough teams around the league thinking that there's no way that he'll stay anywhere unless it's the Knicks or the Lakers and the Knicks and the Lakers don't have what David Griffin wants, you never know. Crazier things have happened. I don't think it's a terrible offer, and I think Joel Morey will definitely pursue it. I just highly doubt that it's enough to actually get it to the finish line. However, I do think right now, that's the priority. Anthony Davis is better than really anyone other than maybe Kevin Durant on the market this summer, and there's no way to get Kevin Durant to Houston because the Warriors would not deal with the Rockets under any scenario in which KD would land here. That's just silly to even think about. So other than KD, Anthony Davis, and perhaps even more than KD, given his age, he is the most desirable asset on the market this summer, and there is no doubt that Gerald Morey, seeing a guy of that stature available, even if no one reports it because at first glance, the Rockets don't have the type of young assets, the packages that teams dealing stars in New Orleans' position typically go for. The fact that the Pelicans clearly aren't enamored with the prospect-heavy packages from the Knicks and the Lakers, and the fact that they are considering, at least to some degree, the importance of competing now around Zion and Drew Holiday and being, as Woj reports, a playoff team, that tells me that the door, while it's unlikely, I wouldn't close it. I think the Rockets will absolutely try everything to make it happen. Would I bet on it? Absolutely not. But I think that's the first thing on Gerald Morey's agenda. I'm sure he's called, and if he hasn't been told no, I'm sure he's hounding David Griffin every single day now. Now, I think a more realistic scenario would be the Rockets as a third or fourth team participant in one of these deals. That's something that Woj also referred to in the story, citing the fact that he didn't believe that any one team had the assets exactly to line up with what New Orleans wanted. So even if the Rockets can't get AD themselves, there is a possibility for them to get involved in these sweepstakes another way. We'll discuss what that is in just a moment. But for now, I want to tell you about our friends over at Gallery Furniture, the sponsors of today's program. And folks, our friends over at Gallery Furniture, they've now kicked off the summer with red hot savings on select items during their new red hot summer sale. Stop by any convenient Houston area gallery furniture location at 6006 North Freeway, 7227 West Grand Parkway South, or 2411 Post Oak Boulevard to take advantage of 40 to 60% savings on Houston's best selection of solid wood, made in America furniture, name brand mattresses, 100% real top grain leather and upholstered living room styles, one of a kind market samples, and so much more. Plus, you'll find Gallery Furniture's lowest prices ever on quality pieces for every room in your home, including sofas starting at $399, dining sets as low as $599, Sealy queen-size mattresses starting at $599, and more. 
Don't miss your chance to enjoy these incredible summer savings at Gallery Furniture. As always, when you shop Gallery Furniture today, you can have your quality purchases delivered straight to your Houston area home within hours when you choose same-day delivery. You can also visit them at galleryfurniture.com. All right, jumping back into the program, this is Locked on Rockets. I'm Ben DuBose. On this Monday, June 10th, we're looking into the implications of the national story broken by Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN that the Pelicans are moving forward on their Anthony Davis trade negotiations. The Rockets, of course, they'd want Anthony Davis themselves, another top 10 player to pair with James Harden. It's doubtful they have the assets in terms of high-end stuff that the Pelicans would want, Chris Paul, Clint Capella. While good, they're certainly not a true top-end ceiling type that I think the Pelicans would be after. Capella is a nice player, but certainly not going to be a star. And Chris Paul really has been one at 34 with his injury history and a $40 million contract. Yes, he can be a good player and at times all-star impact. But I doubt, especially with the Pelicans window not really being open next year with a 19-year-old Zion Williamson, it's not something that I really think the Pelicans would be tempted by unless the market is truly scared off by this Rich Paul demand of Knicks, Lakers, or nothing else. I doubt that happens, but the Rockets will definitely try that. They also have all their first-round draft picks after this year. They can include up to four of those. However, with Anthony Davis and James Harden, the Rockets would be in the 20s every year in the draft, barring major injuries. So I don't know if that's all that tempting to the Pelicans either. First-round draft picks are first-round draft picks, but it's not like they'd be true lottery-type picks unless something crazy happens and it's not worth planning around that if you're the New Orleans Pelicans. So I think first and foremost, the Rockets would try to land Anthony Davis themselves. It's unlikely. Now, if you deal with Chris Paul and Capella, we should note that's over $50 million in outgoing salary from the Rockets' end. Anthony Davis only makes about $25 million, so the Rockets could and would have to take other salaries from the Pelicans. And perhaps if you take Solomon Hill and each one more, those are relatively net negative salaries. Maybe that's another perk. For the Pelicans, I doubt it's enough, but certainly Gerald Morey will try everything. It is worth it in the NBA where top-end talent means so much for the opportunity to pair James Harden and Anthony Davis. All that said, it's very unlikely. However, where the Rockets could play a bigger role is with this news from Woj in the same story that rival executives are believing that it'll take a three- or four-team trade scenario because no one is convinced that one team has everything that they want. So... What I see as the most reasonable scenario involving those parameters would be, for example, the Lakers, who would trade some combination of the number four pick, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, really pick three or four out of that grouping, and they would go to New Orleans. However, with the Pelicans wanting to be a playoff team, it seems that they don't want all that risk in the offer. They want an offer that has a combination of some high-end prospects and talent, but also some stability, some win-now pieces. That's where I could see Clint Capella having an appeal, because for a lot of reasons, replacing Anthony Davis as a rim protector, giving Zion Williamson some insurance on the inside where you don't feel compelled at 19 years old to give him too many minutes at the five. You can have Clint Capella as your guy at the center spot and make Zion the full-time four. You can offer him some physical protection, those types of dynamics. Capella, 17 points, 13 boards. And at 25 years old, he's young enough to grow with the team. And the best part of it, as I've said before, explaining why I think Capella is likely to be traded this summer, he has more desirability on the market than I think he does here in Houston because most teams aren't that worried about competing with the Warriors the next two years. In Houston, where it's been proven that Capella is kind of a bad matchup against those guys, that's a big deal. For the Pelicans, who would not be expecting to win a title next year, 
That's really not the same dynamic. So based on that, I think they'd like Capella. He fits on the roster. If AD is going out, they need another big. And the real kicker on top of it, Capella is signed for four more years at relatively cheap labor, about $17 million a year, which for his production and for a big in modern NBA, that's not a bad contract at all. So I think when you consider the cost, certainty, and stability, because a lot of offers to the Pelicans, they might sound good at first glance, but a small market like the Pelicans that isn't a contender Look, you might get offers that on paper are fine, but if the player's a free agent in a year or two, how much does it really matter if they can then just leave New Orleans for greener pastures within a year or two by the time that Zion is actually ready to take the leap and maybe give you an outside shot at contention? That's why I could see Capella being a particular draw to the Pelicans. I hope it's enough to be the centerpiece of a deal landing Anthony Davis. However, I think that's rather unlikely. I think a more reasonable scenario is that if the Pelicans aren't over the moon about, or they see just a little too much risk taking all prospects and picks from the likes of the Knicks, Lakers, anyone else, then perhaps there's a fit where the Pelicans want more stability of Clint Capella and the Rockets being in a position where they can't get over this Warriors hump are more comfortable taking a risk. For example, we mentioned the Lakers with guys like Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, the number four pick. If Boston and Danny Ainge still wants to be involved, they've got Jalen Brown, for instance. Perhaps the Rockets would move Capella to New Orleans if they got a Jalen Brown type or some combination of Kuzma, Ingram, those types of dynamics. I don't know, but the case for it would be that those guys have higher ceilings than Capella does. Now, it's important to note that Capella has a higher floor. That's why the Pelicans would be interested in him. And for the Rockets, what Capella does over the regular season, 17 and 13, He's a big part of why you have so much success against the other West playoff teams, like the Nuggets, like the Jazz. So it's not like the Rockets would move Capella just to move him. However, if they feel that maybe you have a wink-wink with DeAndre Jordan, someone like that, to take some of those five minutes over the season, maybe you think Isaiah Hartenstein's ready for a bigger role, there's lots of possibilities. But I could see the Rockets under certain parameters saying, hey, maybe we would roll the dice on a Capella for a higher upside type. Now, I don't think that's preferred. I think the preferred scenario for the Rockets, first, they'll try for AD. That's the obvious number one. And then if AD says no, they'll try, for example, Jimmy Butler, those types of guys, star free agents who they can get at a discount because they have the leverage to walk away for nothing. And Capella to, say, a team like Atlanta, Atlanta's assets to Philly, Jimmy Butler to Houston. That would be preferred, assuming Anthony Davis doesn't work out. However, that depends on Jimmy Butler choosing the Rockets and the Sixers and, hypothetically, Atlanta, in this case, being willing to play ball. There's a lot of ifs. So if those don't work out, I could see a plan B or plan C for Daryl Morey being, hey, maybe since we know we're kind of maxed out where we are, maybe it's worth having a little more risk, adding risk profile. That's something that Daryl has said in the past, where even though Capella has a higher floor, and for example, this past season, Clint Capella was a better basketball player than anyone we just referenced. Kuzma, Ingram, Jalen Brown, Capella was definitely better. With that said, most people feel that those other guys, especially Jalen Brown and maybe the Lakers types, although there's a little more gray area with them, the general consensus is that those guys have higher ceilings than Capella, that they could be seen as potentially all-star level players, whereas I don't think anyone really sees that with Clint. Maybe at a fringe level at best, but he doesn't seem to have that truly star level potential. I don't think it's plan A for the Rockets, maybe not even plan B, but if other things don't work out, Could the Rockets consider it? Yes, I can understand from a basketball perspective why they might want to take that risk. However, the other factor to consider 
And this needs to be, whether it's the Lakers, the Celtics, whatever the team, this needs to be kept in mind. It's not just about the player. It's about the contract. The benefit for the Rockets with Clint Capella, yes, there are certain limitations from a basketball standpoint. But one thing you do have is cost and asset certainty. I mentioned that at $17 million a year for four more years, he's not going anywhere. He's under club control. So even if the Rockets didn't do a deal this summer, you'd have a pretty good understanding of what his value would be. And it would be significant, maybe not huge, but definitely a net positive moving forward that if you don't like what's on the market this summer, you could try again at the trade deadline or next year, whatever it may be. You don't have to make a panic move now. If you go this young route, there would be two potential problems, and they both relate to the contract status because all of these guys are within a year or two of getting their first big payday. Jalen Brown, for example, with the Celtics. Let's start with that. The number three overall pick in 2016, a two-way wing player. You could argue that maybe that's what the Rockets need more of against the Warriors. He's also got some decent length. Well, he's going to be a free agent in 2020. First and foremost, you want to make sure that if he pans out and is really good, that Tillman Fertitta is willing to pay what it takes to keep him because he can get a raise all the way up to the max, close to $25, $30 million a year. That is entirely possible. And if you just let him walk, then it's certainly not worth dealing Capella for one year of a Jalen Brown or whoever it may be. You'd have to make sure that if it pans out that Tillman Fertitta is willing to pay what it takes. But where it really gets tricky is that even if he's not quite at the max level, let's say he continues on a pretty good path. For example, Jalen Brown's been kind of a 15.5 rebounds per game player, good defense, solid, but not a star. We have seen guys in that range, think Harrison Barnes with the Mavs, Otto Porter Jr., based on theoretical upside and the fact that so many teams around the league have cap space but can't get in the door for the proven stars, the Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis types, all it takes is one team and one of them will bid high. So even if the player is just pretty good and not a star, the odds are you may have to pay $20 million a year or more to retain them. And then at that point, they're not going to have the trade value moving forward that Capella would, because you know Capella is on a team-friendly deal, and you know, given his production, barring just an unexplained drop-off, and it shouldn't happen with Clint being 25, at his contract, he's going to be a pretty good asset moving forward. With Jalen Brown, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram types, that's much less clear. They are going to get paid based on their age, the fact they were high draft picks, Brandon Ingram number two a couple of years ago, those types of things. However, whether they're going to be worth it, that's very unclear. There are absolutely scenarios where those guys could become negative assets. So I'm not saying that the Rockets wouldn't consider it. I do think they would consider it. However, it's not just about saying, well, let's just take a gamble because what's going on now isn't worth it. Even if you keep Capella, there are still avenues to trade him moving forward. There's no reason you have to do it this offseason. I agree that you'd like to because home court advantage, you'd like to have as close to a full complement and consistent for chemistry reasons as far as the roster you have in October versus what you have in the upcoming playoffs. I understand all of that, but there's no reason to make a bad move out of desperation. The floor for the Rockets right now is pretty damn good. So as I see it, will they consider that? Yes, but there is a high degree of risk. You better be confident, and Daryl Morey is a better scout than I am. They've also got better models. But if you go that route, you better feel pretty convinced that if you put Jalen Brown... Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, or any hypothetical. The reason I go back to those teams is, of course, they've been rumored with Anthony Davis for months. But really, 
any team could presumably fit that mix. There's lots of prospects in that same mold. It's just that the Pelicans seem unwilling to do a deal exclusively for young players. They want some higher floor guys, more certainty. And so I think that's where Capella could fit into this, especially with his contract with him losing AD. It makes a lot of sense. But if you're the Rockets, while you'd consider it, you don't do a deal just to do it. You do a deal if you feel good about who you are getting. That is the question. And I'm sure Gerald Morey will explore the market and it makes sense for him to be involved in these conversations. Will he actually pull the trigger? That remains to be seen. That's a big question and it's one to watch. And I would say the weeks ahead, certainly the priority for the Rockets right now, I think would be number one, seeing if they can land Anthony Davis themselves. And if they can't, then Jimmy Butler, other top tier free agents, they'll try to move Capella for those types of players first. If that does not happen, though, and certainly back-channel communications, the Rockets had a pretty good idea by mid-June two years ago that they were getting Chris Paul. By contrast, last year, they had a pretty good idea by mid-June that they weren't getting LeBron James. These things do leak early. If plan A and or plan B don't work out, then that could be a plan C. It's just not quite as easy as you think at first glance. It would depend on Joel Morey really, really liking and believing in one or more of those players. Will that happen? Stay tuned. Now, on a happier subject, the Rockets have some very good players right now that we know of, those being obviously league MVP James Harden, but also Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker. Rockets, the only team in the NBA with three invitations for their players to the Team USA training camp in Las Vegas, getting ready this August for the upcoming World Cup. We'll talk about that in just a few moments as we close out the show. But for now, I want to tell you a little bit about our friends and sponsors over at Twillery. Because with Twillery, Smart Casual just got smarter and cheaper. Twillery is built on a century-old family manufacturing business. They make millions of shirts a year for leading brands, and they leverage those contacts and their team's technical know-how to keep costs down while maintaining high standards in quality and craftsmanship. Their view is that shirts shouldn't wrinkle, itch, or sweat. Because it's 2019, these guys know that shirts are a commodity, and they make stocking up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. Easy, affordable, and the perfect fit, guaranteed. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance stress shirts, and with free shipping and returns, you can try on some Twills risk-free. After all, feeling is believing. Twillery brings performance work shirts to the next level with four-way stretch material that shuts down wrinkles, stops sweat, and keeps you looking and feeling cool. Best of all, it's the top value in smart workwear. With the shop and bundle model, you all have access to shirts that competitors are selling for $100 and up for as low as $55 per shirt. Grab yourself some today at Twillery.com slash LockedOn and use the promo code LockedOn for $25 off. They've even got a limited time Father's Day special where until June 16th, you can enjoy a free set of bottle opener collar stays. That's all from our friends over at Twillery, who you can visit at Twillery.com slash LockedOn. That's T-W-I-L-L-O-R-Y. And don't forget to use that promo code LockedOn for an extra $25 on anything in their complete line of apparel. All right, closing out the show on this Monday, June 10th, I'm Ben DuBose. This is Locked on Rockets. We're talking about the news stories of the day in the NBA as they pertain to the Houston Rockets, potentially. That's the key word for the first two segments. We looked at Anthony Davis, his trade demand, whether the Rockets get him themselves, they'll certainly try, or if Gerald Morey can get involved as a hypothetical third or fourth team partner, those are possibilities for the Rockets in the days and weeks ahead. Here in the third segment, we'll discuss what's actually true news, what we know impacts the Rockets, and that's... James Harden, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, all invited to the Team USA training camp in early August. There are 20 NBA players in total getting ready for the upcoming World Cup of Basketball, which begins August 31st in China. 
it's great for those players. Obviously, James Harden is the league MVP. As he says all the time, he just wants to hoop. Even if he's not visible in the offseason, you better believe that he's in the gym. So I don't really see this as an added risk. No, he's always playing basketball. And with Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, certainly they're playing. But also, it's something that's kind of rare for them. Eric Gordon played once before in Team USA back in 2010. P.J. Tucker is 34 years old, and he's never gotten to play for Team USA. So for those guys, Eric, it's been almost a decade. P.J., he's never done it in his professional career. If those guys get opportunities, it's fun for them to represent their country on the world stage. It's huge for the franchise, the visibility. Whether they make it, it's going to depend on exactly what Greg Popovich wants from his role players. You'll just want to pick the 12 best because you need different guys on a team to perform different roles. You don't want to be too ball dominant for all the scorers you have, and you're going to have a lot. Anthony Davis, by the way, another star level player, along with James Harden, we talked about him a lot this episode. He apparently wants to play, and he should be rested given the minutes limitation the Pelicans put on him to uh, protect his trade value. But you don't want all 12 of your roster slots going to those types of players. You need some niche guys that don't necessarily have to handle the ball at all times. Eric Gordon, in terms of floor spacing, his ability to shoot all the way out to 30 feet. P.J. Tucker, his defense, his grit, his ability to shoot in the corners. The fact that he doesn't need the ball, he'll move without it. All those things are valuable in role players. So you don't want just the 12 best, per se. You want the right fit. So what are both of those guys, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, even though you wouldn't think of them as necessarily two of the 12, 15 best players in the United States, well, they could be fits for the national team based on their unique skills. It's about niche when you're filling out those end of the bench spots, not just who the better player is in a vacuum. So they have an opportunity. It'd be great for them. It'd be excellent for the visibility of the franchise. I don't really see a negative to it. There's also the recruiting landscape. Look, James Harden and Chris Paul knew each other through Team USA activities. That's part of how NBA players bond. Even though they wouldn't be able to recruit for this summer because training camp isn't until August, the games, August and September, it's not like you'd get a relationship with someone you can immediately acquire. But lots of these negotiations, they go on for many months, if not years. We know with James and Chris, for example, talked about their Team USA time, but the direct recruiting to the Rockets, it's been reported by the LA Times, then went back to the preceding season when Chris was playing games with the Clippers. This stuff is often years in the making. So even if it's not for now, laying the groundwork for the months and years ahead. That's a big deal. There's just nothing but upside there, and there's really not a whole heck of a lot of downside. For us as fans, it's a slow time of year. In terms of the NBA, it's dead. The market, the offseason, it's done by that point. Training camp doesn't begin until late September. I'm happy we'll have something to watch. In terms of other sports, baseball here in Houston, look, the Astros are great, but by that point, they're going to be pretty much having the AL West wrapped up, and we're all just going to be waiting for October. Football, that doesn't really get going real games until mid-September. So late August, early September, yeah, for us, it's fun. I'd much rather watch this than nothing. It's entertaining, especially if it's your players. And then for the players themselves, the only argument against it, and I've got a couple of comments already to this effect, what about the injuries? Is there risk? Is there mileage? There's always risk, but I don't really see it as that great. For starters with Eric Gordon, who's 30 now, if you look back to Eric's 2018-2019 season, he hit his stride in March. He was terrible to start the year by his standards, but it was March, April, and into May, the playoffs, when he was at his best. If anything, you'd think that that's when he would be more injured, more tired. The reality is that I think a lot of fans, because they don't see these players as much in the offseason, they think that they're doing nothing but resting. No, they're always playing. 
Now, there are extremes, of course, but I don't think you're going to go anywhere near those extremes in a World Cup environment. For starters, the games are 40 minutes rather than 48, and because the United States is so much better than most of the teams they play against, you rarely have a game in which anyone plays more than, say, 25 minutes. So it's not like you're going to put them out there for 40 minutes a night and run them into the ground. And even if they are a little bit tired, then, hey, Mike D'Antoni can dial it back on those three a little bit in training camp if they're all lucky enough to make it. There are ways to work around it. Generally speaking, I only see it as a positive. It's good for exposure. They can be an even better form for the start of training camp. Is there a risk of injury? Sure. But again, guys get injured in off-season workouts all the time. There is nothing that you can do short of just staying in your house. And that's not how these guys are wired. They play. They stay in top shape. You can always get injured. I know the Paul George scenario was catastrophic because it happened on television and he missed a season. Well, look with the Rockets. James Harden, and this was nowhere near as severe as Paul George, of course, he had a bad ankle sprain back in the summer of 2015. We first noticed it, him limping to accept his player's MVP trophy. He came into training camp a little bit out of shape. His defense suffered that year, and that was a role in the Rockets. Even though Harden played, he's tough. He gritted it out, but he wasn't in shape, and that's why, especially to start the year, it was the worst defensive performance of his career, and the Rockets were just 41-41. and 41. That's obviously nowhere near as severe as Paul George, of course, but the PG injury, the broken leg, was an outlier on a lot of reasons. The point is, anything players do, the hardened injury that happened, just a regular off-season workout, none of us saw it, there's always risk. So there's no reason, in my opinion, unless there's some reason to believe that the players are going to be going 42 minutes a game, something crazy, and there's no back-to-backs, again, based on the margins, the final minute total only being 40 per game. It's not really that high of a workload, in my opinion. So I don't really see any downside. I see a ton of upside for the players, the organization, the visibility, us as fans. That's one of the slowest times of the year in sports. Let's enjoy it. I'm happy for those guys individually, and I don't see any reason, unless they suffer an injury this offseason, and to my knowledge that has not happened, there's no reason to tell them to pull it back. If they're healthy, they'll go out there in August, and they'll try on the court, and I'm sure they'll try off the court as well. Wink, wink. Anyway, I think that's where we'll wrap it tonight here at Lockdown Rockets as I'm getting ready to watch Game 5 in the NBA Finals. Hopefully, the Raptors give us a new champion. If not, then there'll be Game 6, and we'll talk about that as we get closer to the end of the week. Anyway, if you want more content before our next episode, whenever that is, there are, of course, many ways that you can get that. First and foremost is Twitter, where I'm on there, at Ben DuBose, and the show is on there, at Lockdown Rockets. Beyond that, we've got a website at LockdownRockets.com, a Facebook account at Facebook.com slash LockdownRockets, email address LockdownRockets at gmail.com. All of those are ways you can access prior episodes. You can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, those types of things. Or you can inquire about how to become a potential sponsor of the program, just like our friends over at Gallery Furniture, where the Red Hot Summer Sale is now in full swing. Visit any Houston area Gallery Furniture location or go to GalleryFurniture.com to take advantage of all the specials. You can also support our friends over at Twillery, or if you go to twillery.com slash locked on, you can use the promo code locked on for $25 off on their entire line of apparel. Beyond listening and supporting our sponsors, please remember that to get this show every day, you can and should subscribe to Locked on Rockets on Himalaya's new podcast app. In this ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features each and every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Rockets. Of course, you can also listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a whole lot more. And wherever you do so, I also encourage you to leave five-star reviews wherever you can. And when you get in your car or you go to the gym, you can even tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked on Rockets and listen to our most recent episodes that way as well. 
Once again, thanks to all of you for listening, and please come back soon for more episodes right here at Locked on Rockets, your podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.